0: Steve Bose and Trish McFarland are partners providing advisory services, speaking services, and the HR Happy Hour podcast. They are the duo to follow and watch in the HR tech space, which is exactly why Jason and I had to host them on the Now of Work. We went down a lot of rabbit holes. First, it's just fun catching up with old friends. But second, there's just so much to geek out on when it comes to the Now of Work. In fact, we had to split this into two episodes. There was so much to cover. Don't miss rant number one. Yes, of two rants. But rant number one, which is Steve's rant about finally treating health and wellness, which includes mental health as the priority it is. There is a huge opportunity for workplace tech solutions when it comes to this topic, and I hope This is the year we tackle it. We were just getting started in this episode. I hope you enjoy. Take a listen to Jason and I with Steve and Trish in our first of two episodes. Hey, Trish. Hey, Steve. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah, great to be here. Thank you.
0: I love that it's like the the two like the duo and the duo i could not stay away from this one i wasn't gonna let jason have you all to himself <laughs> <laughs> no guys thank too. you much
2: thanks so much for joining and uh and i just want to say just on behalf of the entire industry thanks for all of the work that you're doing also in trying to uh both educate the industry and uh you know all of the practitioners in the space but also love your little 10 minute uh, breaks that you guys do because it's not that that's the entertainment part of the that's industry. Right. And we all, we all need something a little bit lighter in our day. And, uh, you know, all credit you,
1: goes to I, Trish for that,
2: that yeah, I should actually let you give a plug for that real quick because maybe not everyone knows what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah. So I, it was very self-serving, uh, as most things start that way sometimes. Um, I, I was just feeling like I was working all day. I don't take any breaks. It would be, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon and I would have not eaten or stood up. And so I told Steve, I said, let's just get on, let's just get on Periscope and for, you know, five, 10, maybe 12 minutes or so, let's just talk about whatever. And uh, we don't, we don't really prepare for it. Sometimes we'll have read an article or something, but we're calling it the work break, HR happy hour work break. And it's been getting anywhere between, oh, about 450 and 650 um, views per day. So I think people are enjoying it. We're starting to get lots of comments. And um, because it's on Periscope, it's global. So that's fun, too.
1: I I did a call today. I had an unrelated call, Trish. And I won't say who the person was because I don't think they want me saying this publicly. But on a recent one of the work breaks, we talked about our favorite concert we ever went to or something like that. And... And this person says to me on the call, hey, by the way, my favorite concert is whatever. You know, Cause he had heard us talk about it you know, a couple of days ago. So yeah, it was pretty interesting.
3: I would say it. too, I, I'm getting like a lot of people who are either practitioners or maybe they work for a vendor. Um, it is those sort of conversations or the DMs that you get where they hear something and want more information or they've got information for you. So it definitely like sparks much deeper conversations.
0: Well, and I love the fact that you're, you're giving people permission to take a break,
3: period. <laughs>
0: We've been in this for a long time. Uh, and it's not, it's, you know, it's going to let up in small ways um, for everyone, but it's not letting up. Like this thing is not going away. So Steve, I have a question for you. When do we get to stop talking about COVID? Because it just like this all just sort of is right now. Like, when do we stop talking about it in terms of COVID context?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really tough because I do I do get the sense that, you know, we're still swimming around in the HR world, the workplace world, the work technology world, right? All the associated uh, aspects of, of the workplace. And it's hard to stop talking about something that's, you know, the classic black swan once in a hundred year event. Uh, probably we can start. I think the conversation is starting to shift a little bit, only because, uh, in concert with, I think every state now is by the day we're recording this, every state in the U.S. now doing at least some form of relaxation, relaxation of their stay-at-home rules and quarantine rules, and more businesses opening up even in limited forms. I think the conversation becomes less directly about COVID, maybe, and more more about how we help organizations, how we help people, how we help kind of our communities we live in, honestly, navigate uh, what I think is going to be a really lengthy recovery. Um, so I think it's COVID related, but maybe it's it's less about, um, oh my God, I hope I don't get sick to how, more about how do we ensure we, we we stay healthy and, and, and our businesses stay healthy too. So hopefully we'll, that's the shift that'll start to happen. And, and hopefully the infection rates continue to go down and and, and people are, are, are going to be safe out there.
2: Yeah, and, and, and if I could just jump in just if you don't mind, I mean, Steve and Trish, I wanted to jump with both of you on this one. So Steve, you just said lengthy recovery, you know, and, and I firmly believe, well, not that I want to believe that, but I firmly believe that based on what I'm seeing as well, you know, and you know, it's fascinating to me, you've got something like 30 to 40 million people that have filed for unemployment just in the U S alone. And you know, you realize that it takes five minutes to fire someone or let someone go, you know, yet it takes five months to hire someone. Um, so, you know, when people say the jobs are going to bounce back and you think, you know, Hey, by fall, everything's going to be great. Um, you know, that's not what we're seeing in the enterprises that we're working with. Um, but so when you said lengthy recovery, it, it just it spurred that I agree with you on that. And I'd love your thoughts as well as Tricia's thoughts on, you know, it, you know, is there a point we're going to say we're recovered or is this, and I know we don't love the words new normal and all that other stuff, but I mean, is this just going to go on for a while? And we're going to you know, just see peaks and valleys. What do you think? Uh,
1: well, for me, I, I think, it's my, my, my reckoning, it's 10 weeks or so, 40 million initial unemployment claims were filed, right? Roughly in the U S so that's about a quarter of the workforce pre pandemic. The expectation yeah, would and be Steve
2: just, I mean, sorry to interrupt you, but that just that, yeah. like, like what the app? Sorry. But you
1: know, 25% of the less one out of four people. Yeah. So I, am a numbers geek. I'm a labor market data geek to the point of kind of distraction, for me, it probably will be initial claims getting down below into the maybe half a million number. Right, the initial unemployment claims. the The biggest number was 6.9. I say, 6.9 million a few weeks ago. It's been descending every week, but still, it was two million jobs uh, initial claims yesterday. Is the day we record this? That number's got to get down into the few hundred thousand. It was about 200,000 per week before the pandemic in a normal week. And that was, that's like a 50 year baseline. I know this, I know your podcast is not labor market data today. So I apologize for putting the audience to sleep, but I mean, I think you've got to look at the data, the macro data first, right? In order to figure out what's happening. And so for me, uh, initial unemployment claims would be first and then followed by uh, when the JOLTS report comes out um, from the BLS and that shows the number of hires and the number of dismissals, right? And that's It was interesting, even when times were really good, there was always like five or six million new hires every month and five or six million dismissals. Like people would forget that. Like six million people left their job every month, right? Even in the best of times. So I'd like to see what those numbers shed out to be in the next JOLTS report just to see how many hires are happening because it's really difficult to gauge right now. All we're seeing is the other side of it. And and when when that number starts to pick up, right, it'll hit a trough if it hasn't yet. When the when the monthly hire starts to pick up, then I'll start to be much more optimistic about. Yeah, we are going to start coming out of this. That's a, that was a very geeky and long answer, No, no, not no sure. I like it. I like it. Trish, well, I'm going to ask you, you to anything?
0: geek out. I'm going to before Trish um, oh, sure. comments. I want you to geek out on one more thing that I have been wondering about the industries that probably experienced the majority of those layoffs are not going to recover. Like, I don't think people are going to go back to work in the same industries. They're not going to go back to work, you know, at the same rate in hospitality and retail and uh, travel and, and that kind of thing. And so, how people and and the verticals they go back to work in uh, is interesting. And then I also read a stat the other day that we're going to lose 50, and I I hope this is not true, but half of small business in America won't survive. So small business is getting cold, hard. Industries are getting shattered, and they're not going to consume those employees back. Other industries are going to consume them back. What do you what do like? Tell me about the tea leaves there. What does that mean for how we sort of resort uh, talent?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question, and I think it, it sheds light on one of the really challenging aspects of this. So we were talking about these forty million initial unemployment claims. They're disproportionately in a collection of industries that tended to be uh, lower on the wage scale. A lot of hourly workers, a lot of people with just, you know, relatively less um, uh, education attainment and things like that. The funny thing is when the first official unemployment report came out, like the one that maybe took us to 14% or something, wage data went up. Average wages went up, right? And the reason wages went up was so many people on the lower end of the wage scale were out of work. So the people who were left working on average, we're making more and it'll probably happen again on the next unemployment report as well. So I think there's a huge challenge, uh, you know, not just for organizations, but for overall economies to say like, how do we try to transition lots and lots of people back into work when the jobs that they were doing are not going to come back anytime soon, or maybe ne- never at all. I think it's a, it's a huge challenge um, for uh, communities, cities, governments and, and workforce planning people. I don't really know the answer to it. But I, I think, you know, it's, it's a huge problem right now.
2: Fish, Fish. We were talking, we were yeah. talking before this started about kind of, there's still a lot of people out there that need to get work done. You know, yeah. and we're kind of, we were going, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's COVID fatigue, but we've been talking as soon as like every single call we talk about it. So I, I'd like to just frame the question a little bit different to you is what are you seeing? I mean, both from a recovery standpoint or, you know, are we still in the bleed, you know, a, but then B, you know, what are you seeing people focus on? Because, you know, a big word that we've been using is focus. Like, what are you seeing the people focus on? And I love the way you said stuff still has to get done. Like, people still have to work and vendors are still creating great products. Like, let's not just shut everything down, you know, until everything's perfect again.
3: I think that's, it's a really good point you make because, you know, in this particular situation, it's something that's impacting everyone globally. And certainly, as Steve mentioned, there, there are certain um, levels of, of education or, or types of jobs or industries that could be impacted more than others. But I think that this is a time where everyone feels insecure. We don't feel safe. We don't necessarily feel safe in our own home, in our own town, in our own cities. Um, and so it's different because we have to deal with those emotions first. It's not just I lost my job or I'm at risk of losing my job. So when you mentioned like, you know, stopping the bleed, I think people can't really focus on the getting the work done if they're still highly focused on, I need to make sure I don't get sick. I need to make sure I don't die and leave my kids or my elderly parents or whatever. I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. That's what's in my mind every day in the back of my mind. So part of it is you have to make sure that you are feeling as safe and secure in terms of food, shelter and the necessities before you can really start thinking about getting back to work. The other thing I would say too, is that just as, as humans, we tend to think about what's in the future. We're always looking ahead, which sometimes can be annoying, right? What's the future of work and the future of this and the future of that. But we do so because it gives us something to strive for. And I think the difference is right now, we're all focused on immediately where I am today how do I feel today? So it sort of in a weird way for me, takes away some of that hope. So when I talk about, you know, with different vendors or different HR professionals or just, you know, family and friends about the work they're doing, I I try and make sure that we're talking about, yes, how are you today? Of course. But what are you thinking about? Even if it's just a week away, maybe it's not 10 years out or three years out. Maybe it's next week, but at least we're planning. So I think the sooner that we can start getting some sense of routine around a a week, two weeks out, and hopefully calm down some of our own fears, then we'll feel like things could maybe get back to business. Um, The other thing I would just mention is that with so many people out of work, I think in terms of getting back to the workplace, there's so many redundancies that were in existence. And this sort of clears a lot of that out. So it's a, it's obviously a very negative uh, thing to have happening to create this transition, but probably some positions that needed to be out of companies will be out of companies. And, you know, this is no different in that regard from each generation has had sort of different things that impact, you know, whether it was you know, machines doing work for people, or you know, now is talking about AI and machine learning taking jobs, or you know, now to this. <laughs> um, I think there's always going to be that element, so you you still have to have people thinking about how can I use my skills differently. Yeah. And again, get out of that panicked, fear state. But I feel like that's still where, probably a majority of people are.
2: You know, Trish. I want to grab this next question, and uh, Jess. I'll turn it back over to you. I don't get to talk to these guys that often, except when we're on the road and uh, we're That's not, on the not road happening anymore. now. So <laughs> now I uh, I have to get to capture the time. Um, so what you just said, I thought you you was really well said. And you know, when it comes to this world of HR technology or work,
1: I, tech I was and, actually and googling like the Jolts report. Just I wanted to make sure I didn't say anything that was calls wrong. Calls so at the same time, sure um, <laughs> I think that the.
2: the the focus is definitely going to change. A and B, uh, Trish, something that you said about. I mean, you know, Steve, you, I, you know, you and I are getting. We're all getting pinged. I watched you. you know, I watched you because I get to see you on video. So yeah, notifications come in. Oh <laughs> well, no, and I got a notification about a big press conference coming up tomorrow about China, and I, you know, I think that everyone's tired. Like I don't know. I mean, I wake up every morning and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the news is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen next. I think people are mentally fatigued through this more than ever. So I'd love your guys' thoughts on how the world of HR technology kind of adjusts itself. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Adjusts itself to this world of, hey, maybe we're not going to try to make sure that we've got the best self-service in Mm -hmm. the world. Like, it's probably not anyone's main focus right now, but that I have a, a workforce that is mentally, you know, and physically probably fatigued. Yeah,
1: I, I can go first. By, I mean, and be I, I have a slight, time. like,
2: so I know health on the whole thing was a big and topic only because I before, feel like,
1: um, you know, we're, we're being. It's um, good now that the focus is squarely like, hey, on well lose a few pounds uh, in the workplace. Maybe um, I could count my steps. I think it's all of a become, sudden, it is become maybe the single most important priority for HR and business leaders, in the future. Is maintaining right. the health and safety and security. As Trish talked about, like people just don't feel safe anywhere, right? And they, they won't generally feel safe going back to work. Plus, we force so many folks just to go back to work, right? In these really, really difficult situations in places like grocery stores or warehouse distribution centers and certainly the frontline responders, right? We're doing so much to care for sick people. And, and then, you know, we see things like, like some, some companies out there, I won't name and shame, but you could probably just look them up, like already rescinding some of the, the bonus structures that they put in place for these people, right. To put themselves working in a grocery store or working in a warehouse right around lots of other people or in a meat packing facility right an essential service and, and now you know we've got some organizations out there saying well okay it's been 2 months we're going to take back that 10% bonus we were giving you right because now the 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 pandemic is is largely subsided but uh, for me i, I guess the ramp part of this i guess that was a rant as well but I think we've kind of just paid lip service to well-being in organizations for a long time. I mean, it's a pretty big market, both for what organizations spend with around health and well-being, as well as with technology providers, but I don't think anybody really cared about it all that significantly. And I'll say that just because you can just look at the data, right, The the data that says 40% of Americans are overweight or obese. You know, so many high percentage of people are struggling with things like diabetes and hypertension and other chronic and treatable conditions. And this is in a time of more or less full employment, right? The unemployment rate was 3.5% before the pandemic hit. It was like, that's like a 50 or 60 year low. So it's, it's as close to full employment as we were ever gonna get. Um, and, and mental health, right? I did a presentation on mental health before the pandemic. And I was shocked when I looked, researched some of the data that said how many people in the workplace, in the workforce, be diagnosed with a mental health condition at some time in their lives. It was like over one in four, right? And something like 40% of people, you know, are struggling with various mental conditions. And again, I felt like it was okay to throw some money at it, throw some technology at it, to act like we cared about it when times were really good, because it wasn't, like it wasn't, you know, times were good, the sales were high, we were growing, we were hiring, the stock prices were good, right? And all of a sudden now pandemic related or not, uh, we've got all these issues with people who are who are going to be struggling mentally and physically. And the pandemic only exacerbated it, it didn't cause it. So I think we're going to really find out as this plays out, the organizations that might come back faster or might succeed or might have longer lasting businesses, hopefully, will be truly the ones that express that that, that real levels of level of care and concern and focus and investment on the well-being of their people i'm such a cynic i feel like we'll do it for a while and we'll talk about it for a while and then we're going to declare at some point we've, we've we've defeated coronavirus and we're going to go back to how things were just like those companies have already rescinded their hazard pay right for their people working in the grocery store and after six or ten weeks so that's my rant on it i think it's the most important issue in in work and workplaces certainly for the next year i just hope that it it remains a highly important issue past that, that window of time. And I'm I'm not sure it will or not.
2: You know, and Trish, I mean, you've been in the HR space, you're an HR practitioner, you're an HR executive, you know, you've been on the vendor side, you know, when you think about this, you know, first of, I mean, I have two questions follow up on Steve. One is this HR's job? You know, I'd love to get your thoughts on that, you know, and two, you know, are we beyond the Fitbit? Sorry, you know, when it comes to health and wellness? and, And how do you see us really focusing on the mental side of it as well?
3: I'm glad you mentioned the mental side because as Steve was talking, um, yeah, with the HR hat on, I do think it's HR's job. At least while I was a practitioner, and then talking with you know other practitioners I know, I think that um, for a long time we've you know really tried to push things like EAP, and it was also around mental health awareness. But that was never um, I'm going to be very broad-stroked here. But but Gen X, we were kind of raised up. I think when we started working. Um, you know, for baby boomers or even older, it was really just to keep our mouths shut, right? It's come to work, work hard, keep your mouth shut. You aren't going to be telling anybody. Surely you're not going to tell them you have any sort of mental health deficiency or issue or, you know, need time off or anything like that. That was not how it was done. And I do think that even prior to, uh, to COVID happening, I was already seeing sort of that, the younger generations coming behind us talking about it. So one thing I think that will be good that comes from all of this is that it feels like now, because it's happening to everyone, no one is immune, regardless of if you're a fresh out of college person or or high school or whatever, or you're the CEO, everyone is struggling. Not anyone can say that they are going day to day and feeling great. You know, um, you might catch me on a good day where I'm really bubbly and happy. And there are definitely days where I just feel completely overwhelmed. And I'm not someone who typically would have uh, felt like I was anxious, but now it feels like there are definitely those days. So um, I think what we're going to see hopefully is that it's not even so much about the technology. I think that companies will respond with more and more technology solutions to help gather that information, to help companies Uh, help their employees deal with these things. But what I do think is different is that before the C-suite might not have ever experienced hardships like this. They might not have ever felt scared for their own families, for their own health, their own well-being. So they didn't buy into spending a lot of money for it. And I think now they will, because now either they've experienced it, their family's (laughs) experienced it, maybe a friend has experienced it, and maybe they've actually even lost someone. Um, through this process. So I do think that's what's going to change is the relatability um, might flatten out a little bit in an organization.
2: Do you have any advice, either of you? Cause this drives me crazy and Steve said it and now I almost got onto a rant, but I'm not going to, uh, how do you not, I mean, Trish, how do you not have this go, go back to the way it was? You know, so, I mean, I read, you know, there were people, we promised no layoffs. And then if you start reading, people are laying people off. You know, Steve, you said bonuses. We promised bonuses. You know, those bonuses are going away. Um, you know, to, to truly make this a, a reinventive time in our space, how do, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, I, you know, hey, let's not do the engagement survey this year and instead let's focus on mental health. Cool. But the next year we're going to go back to the dumb engagement survey and forget all about mental health. I hope that doesn't happen. But... You know, do you guys have any thoughts as to how to make this change stick besides just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it?
3: I would just say I think companies, company leaders need to really be your employees first and foremost. If you're promising no layoffs, if you're promising these bonuses and so forth, that you don't know. You don't know. And employees have to understand that. If someone's telling you that, it's a line. It's no different than, you know, Steve and I are a small business, like like many people. And, you know, it's like the loans, we were all going to get these loans. It was going to be wonderful. And, you know, forgiveness and all that. It doesn't happen. So you have to sort of assume that, especially in a time like this, no one has the answers. We're all just trying to do our best based on the information we have today. So um, in terms of not going backwards, I I just, I think a lot of the things that we have all been talking about, I will lump myself in there as well um, for the last 10 or 20 years is it, is it really that important? Is it really that important if I did that engagement survey back in 1999 that I then did nothing with, that I then surveyed in the next year and the next year and the next year? No, that's no longer that important. I think we're going to redefine yeah. hopefully have one, HR leaders. I thought on it and I could be completely we'll wrong about this but what is really important for me
1: I, I think more, it's more about really in trying business, to communicate the message that to if you're, if sure you're striving to right go back people people to the way and things were that we were, are actually this, supporting you know, them. and it's weird to be nostalgic um, for like 93 um, days but believe, ago but believe, I think we kind of are in many ways but if you're you're striving to go back to that I think you might miss the mark because where we're going wherever we end up won't be where we were before right and whether that's societal whether that's industry shakeups whether business models are going to be irreparably changed and some things some things will kind of get back to kind of how they were a lot of things won't and but many people won't either and i think if you if you're trying if you work really hard and spend the next 12 months to try to get back to the way things were in february you may find that next summer you're off you've missed it right? And you've completely, you've completely failed, whether it's with how you're dealing with your employees, how you're dealing with your customers, your position in the community, your, 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 your position as a steward of, of, of resources, both physical and, 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 and intangible and, 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 with people. Um, and so the optimist is in me in me says, like, you know, the, as Trish said, the more enlightened leader or everyone really has been affected by this in some way that, the 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 optimist in me says that well those people those people who are really driving the decisions right the 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 you know, Fortune 1000 I think companies Great that most, point, Trish. Most and the other thing that keeps from, coming to mind as right? I hear both or, or try of you um, talk about or are going to see the world how things much look and now. And see their position, um, I
0: keep thinking about and personalization. And, hopefully and we've done it out of time, necessity over the last more, couple of months. Uh, but I hope it stays. The about, we've right? blurred the lines in so many ways. in are not truly
1: caring about their People are getting
0: scrappy. They're getting, you know, they're being adaptable. We're all just sort of figuring out how to work harder than ever with. We've what got we can and where to we are, and on and it our own, everything's some in the mix, not dumb, you know. And we're still I figuring it out. Just,
1: and we've also sort of like given permission. I like given permission there were some really, really big companies that, that right said, Right now, we know you're all working every day, 16 hours a day, no one's taking a day off. like
0: how people sort of like destructure the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. Cisco
1: was one example of a company to let people fully show up when and how they can show up. And they're being, more just read today, life the big global insurance company that than we ever
0: gave people for having the ability to do that.
1: Hundreds of thousands um, of And so worldwide. I love the fact that we've June sort of thrown all of these it's preconceived day off, notions to
0: the wind. We've shown like up really and proved ourselves. And I hope that some you of that. Know, I, I
1: mentioned this the other day. Too, like, when's the last time you got an email work, auto response by letting people out of the office?
0: Figure out whether it's bringing it into Teams and projects And I think that's insane too. I know we don't have anywhere to go.
1: It's weird. Even in
0: terms of like the business day, business hours, business days. Addressing
1: that if we and just sort of throw it all and of that it, to the think, wind. Hopefully um, will be the examples. Maybe and the we ones will have if we shine as, as engaged, whatever whatever voice we have in the industry, doing influence we may have terms in and the HR industry. Thing. I think shining a light on those really positive examples is, is a way we could we could hopefully help. Uh, that's that's one of the things I think.
2: Yeah.
3: I would just say too, I think that when it's a horrible reason that we're, we're here and talking about this, but <clears throat> pardon me, this, this could be a great thing. This is the time. We've all, been, who wants to go back to, to what normal was? Seriously. For years, everyone in our entire industry has complained and complained and complained about everything, about how it's all broken and how it needs to be fixed and how we want HR transformation, how we want business transformation. Well, it's here. This is it. What, like, this is good news. So I, I get that it's a horrible uh, thing that has put us in this place, but my gosh, let's, let's do something. Now's your chance. If you don't want disengaged employees, you don't have to have them, right? You may have already let, let them off, laid them off, let them go, whatever. Um, I don't know, maybe, you know, we've talked about running more lean for years and the benefits of that. Well, here it is. Everything that everybody complained about and said we wanted and needed, well, here it is. So now what?